Hey, good morning, everybody. So good to worship with you. I love it. I uh, am recovering from a day of moving. Uh, I, I, I hate moving. But I'm so grateful to all the people who came and helped us move yesterday. How many people came to help me move yesterday? Just be proud. Yeah, it's awesome. You can barely lift your hand. It's like, oh, I'm so sore. Anyway, I'm so grateful uh, that you made the job a lot easier for us. That was awesome. And true, true enough, I am now an actual resident of the great state, the great republic of Texas. Finally, so we're excited about that. We bought a house, and we're very excited about being here. And so if you're wondering if we're going to stay around, uh, wonder no more. We bought a house. We're not going to be able to get out of it for several years. <laughs> so um, uh, let's see. And last week, I was not here. It was my first Sunday to miss it. One chapel, and I just want to tell you, I missed you. Uh, there's, I've started growing accustomed to having church in a movie theater. I'm starting to like it. Does that make me weird? So I went back to New Life Church, which is our sending church, uh, the church that sent us to plant one chapel. I went back to Colorado Springs, and I shared the miracle of what's going on at one chapel and how God is putting a family of people together. And it is an incredible deal, isn't it? I mean, a year and a half ago, there was nothing and now God has formed a group of people that are serving one another and serving our city and loving one another. It is a miracle. As I look even here out across the auditorium, I'm just amazed at how God is putting the pieces together to create a place where people can experience his presence, where people can engage with what God is doing in our city and how, they can, how he can put people together who will love one another. It's so amazing. I'm so grateful for you. I love you, and I'm so uh, appreciative of how, what we're doing together. So anyway, we had a great time last weekend, and it was loads of fun. Thanks for letting me go. I heard Pastor Brent Parsley did an incredible job. He is a great speaker in his own right, and uh, I really love him and really the whole team. I mean, I was worshiping just a few minutes ago with Marty and Casey and the whole team, and I was just like, wow, can you believe this group? This is a good group of people. And I don't just love them because they're good and talented. I love them because you can tell there's something in their hearts that's substantive, that's substantive, that's coming out when they worship. And I'm so grateful for that. Are you ready to study the scriptures? Turn in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Ephesians 4, verse 29. And then if you want to flip over to the second scripture, it's going to be 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. Ephesians 4.29, and then uh, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9, all right? So you know that we've been on a, a series, and we're right in the middle of our summer series called Numa. all right? Numa is the Greek word for spirit in the scriptures, and it also uh, means, can mean wind or breath. Talk about the breath of God and the wind of the spirit, um, this word is pneuma, and what we're talking about in this series is unlocking the mystery of the Holy Spirit. He is mysterious. It, it, he is a third person of the Trinity. There is God and the Son, God the Father, 
Jesus the Son and the Holy Spirit. And last couple of weeks, we first week we talked about the promise of something coming that is better. The Holy Spirit is what Jesus promised us when he left this earth. After he was resurrected from the dead, he promised us something better. He said, I've got to go away because if I don't go away, something better is not going to come. And that something is a someone. It's not an it. It's not a thing. It's a, it's a person. And that's what we talked about last week. Pastor Brent talked about the personal relationship that we have with the Holy Spirit. It's so important to us. And so I want to talk to you today about the voice the voice of the Holy Spirit. The person that speaks into your life gives you direction, that speaks into your life and warns you what to do and what not to do. The Holy Spirit is God's voice to you. If we look through the the scriptures and we see all across the Old Testament, we see God speaking through his spirit to people about what they must do, what they need to do, what they should not do, warning them about what's going to happen, helping them make sense of what's going on in the earth. That is the role of the Holy Spirit. And I want to talk about it because I think it is a real issue for many of us as believers or as seekers. We're trying to make something out of our lives. We're trying to make sure that our lives are going in the right direction. And the Holy Spirit is the one who speaks to us. He is God's voice to us. And so um, I've been watching this show uh, on NBC called The Voice. (laughs) Have you seen this show? It is a fascinating show. I really like it. It's kind of in competition with American Idol, right? Some some of you might like American Idol better, but American Idol, I mean, it's, it's, it's dying. I mean, come on. Although they had more people voting this year than ever before. So I don't know. Maybe it's not dying. But in my mind, it's dying because it doesn't have Simon anymore. Yeah. And it's no fun to watch because nobody will be mean to anybody. <laughs> so you know, the, you know the only reason you watch American Idol is to watch Simon be mean to people. And so anyway, this voice is competing. Uh, the, the voice is competing with this show. And it's a really interesting show. Um, I watched it a couple times and uh, or watched parts of it. And there was... Um, these four experts in the music business, people who have, who have made millions and millions of records, all right? These are great people, great singers, great artists. They sit in chairs, for those of you who haven't seen it, and they sit in chairs with their backs to the singer. So the singer is singing be- behind them, and when they hear a singer that they really like, they hit a button, and it spins their chair around so they can see uh, who's singing. And it's very interesting to watch this. Very interesting because they, they'll listen to some people and you're there watching it so you can see who the person is and you can see if they're the kind of person that that voice should come out of. <laughs> and so you either like them or dislike them, but you watch them go through the agony. Should I push this? Is, are, is this good? Is this not good? They're just, they're listening for the voice. They're listening specifically for what kind of voice it is. And as I was thinking about this upcoming series, I I realized that sometimes they turn around and they see something that shocks them, what kind of person is standing there. But I, I think this idea of listening applies to us. There's an analogy here in this show for us. And it is when we see things that are going on around us, a lot of times we don't cultivate a listening ear. 
these, um, these experts have a, 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 a listening capability, but they're hamstrung by, their, by, their, by not being able to see this person. I think the same thing happens to you because you and me because the scriptures teach us that we're supposed to walk by faith and not by sight. We're supposed to walk by faith and not by sight. Not by seeing everything that goes on around us. Not by looking at all the circumstances. And all. We're supposed to walk by faith. And listening to the Holy Spirit is about walking by faith. It's about hearing his voice and cultivating a listening ear. Now, Listening to the Holy Spirit is a learned art. You don't come to Jesus, you don't come to God and then become an expert instantaneously at listening to his voice. You, you cultivate it, you learn how to do it. It's a lot like being married. It's a lot like being married. And you, you at first, I'm, I'm working with a bunch of young married people, and you can tell that some of these um, men have not developed or cultivated a listening ear to their women. And they're learning how to do it. You understand that the men's brain is uh, handicapped, right? The men, men can only do one thing at a time, right? It's actually scientifically proven, all right? It's true. It's, it's, they're, like, they're missing a piece. And uh, the women can do multitasking. That's why God made women mothers, right? Because <laughs> men, once they're on a track, they can't hear the baby screaming in the background. So, um, so, so there, there's, a, there's a thing here between men and women. You've got to learn each other's dislikes and their likes, their preferences. You've got to learn to listen to their voice. If, you, if a man is watching television and his wife comes up and starts talking to him, bad idea. Either stop watching television or don't ask him the question. <laughs> men? Stop watching the television. <laughs> turn it off. Turn to your wife and say, yes, dear. And then sometimes, you'll, sometimes she'll be talking to you, and then you're still thinking about what was on TV right then. <laughs> and then she'll call you on it and go, you're not listening to me. And then you'll say, yes, I was. And then she'll say, what was I saying? Uh... We have to cultivate a listening ear to the Holy Spirit. It doesn't just happen automatically. There's something intentional that we have to do. Look at Ephesians 4.29. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Oh, that is a big passage right there. I, I would like to challenge you to obey that scripture for one day. <laughs> we live in such a sarcastic society. The only thing that makes us laugh in American culture is making fun of somebody. It's terrible. And the, the cynicism that comes out of us, unwholesome talk, critical, critical ways of communicating, it, try to obey the scripture just once and no, don't insult anybody for a day. See if you can do it. It's good. It'll, it'll be challenging for you, I guarantee it. But only, here's what it says, talk, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. We're only supposed to say things that are helpful, and we're supposed to say the things that we say in relationship to what other people need, that it may benefit those who listen. And as if in the same breath, verse 30 comes out, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Grieving the Holy Spirit is something that you and I can do 
when we stop listening. I think it's interesting that this little passage that Paul was writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he talks about talking and how much we talk. You got two ears and one mouth. You should be listening twice as much as we're talking. He's saying here that sometimes we talk so much that we, we choose to not cultivate a listening ear for the Holy Spirit and what he wants to say. Therefore, we grieve his heart. He is a person. It is a relationship. And we're grieving his heart when we say and do things that are not pleasing to him. So he wants to communicate to you and to me what's pleasing to him. He wants to direct your steps. He wants you to stop talking and start listening more. I think it was my dad that said to me, the first time I heard it, better to be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. (laughs) There's something that God is trying to get us to understand as You read the scriptures and you see how the Holy Spirit is trying to lead you into something better. He's trying to communicate something wonderful to you. He's trying to communicate who you are. He's trying to communicate what Jesus said. He's trying to communicate to you. And we have to develop the ability to listen. And I'm not just talking about, you know, um, I'm not just talking about getting up in the morning and listening to the Holy Spirit for what? shirt I should wear. Oh no, I don't know what shirt I should wear. The Holy Spirit hasn't told me yet. Or I'm not sure that the Holy Spirit has told me to go to work. He hasn't confirmed it to me today, so I'm going to go ahead and sleep. Do you know these people that I'm talking about here? There's some people that they're so consumed in heavenly things that they're not of very much earthly good. Their, their, their heads are in the clouds. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about not making a move until the Holy Spirit speaks to you. And here's why. Because the Holy Spirit has already written through the Bible authors many of the ideas, many of the principles. Everybody say principle. What we, we do is we live by these principles And those principles begin to guide us. Jesus gave us some principles in the scripture. God has given us some ideas. They're they're very important ideas. He gave them to to us the first time in the Ten Commandments. And so we live our lives by these rules, by these guidelines. And so it's interesting, though, because the Holy Spirit does have an opinion about what kind of shirt you wear. The Holy Spirit does have an opinion about how we dress. And so there is a listening ear that needs to be cultivated about what you should or shouldn't wear. And you may need to be trained about that. Some of you, I, 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 I've never seen um, the kind of uh, dress that I've seen in Austin in Colorado. <laughs> Mainly because it's a lot colder there. People don't wear many clothes during the summer in Austin. <laughs> There's, a, there's an opinion that the Holy Spirit has about modesty, about protecting people, about protecting relationships. He does have an opinion about that. However, the type of shirt we wear, whether it's paisley or plaid, he's not really too interested in that. Okay? You're tracking with me? So I'm talking about something deeper. I'm talking about something 
more purposeful. I'm talking about his plan for you. The Holy Spirit is God's voice to you here on the earth to facilitate and to help direct you to his purpose and his plan for your life. The plan of his kingdom, his kingdom coming alive in you, the plan of his kingdom in in your neighborhood, the plan of his kingdom being expanded in your city, he wants to speak those things to you. And many of us have trouble hearing those things because we're so consumed in everything else. What I believe is that God wants to give you steps. He wants to show you what's next. Somehow we're too consumed with everything else. I remember one of the greatest stories of listening to the Holy Spirit in my life is going to be coming to Austin, Texas. It's going to be leaving the beauty and the wonder of the mountains of Colorado and coming to the hill country of Texas. Uh, and I, I like Austin. I love New Braunfels because we've been coming down here for years and years, uh, going to my wife's family's house in New Braunfels. I loved it. It was enjoyable to come here on vacation because I like the heat. I like the water. But it was uh, interesting to think about leaving a place where you had put down roots that were so deep, you're going to have to yank them up. I, I was at a church called New Life Church for almost 20 years. And I was a worship pastor there, and I had a career there. I had, um, you know, a, a, a team of songwriters, and we wrote songs that the church all over the world is singing. There was uh, CDs that we made. I mean, there was a lot there that I really loved and that I had invested in, and I wasn't sure I should leave all that. I remember going through the process and saying, okay, God, are you really speaking to me? I had, in December uh, of 08, 2008, I had what I like to call an inkling. (laughs) I had an inkling. Have you ever had an inkling? Have you ever had, like, it's just a, oh, I, I think maybe the Lord wants me to do something. I have an inkling, and all of you have had inklings in the grocery store. I think I should buy that person's groceries. You're like, no way. The Holy Spirit would never say that. (laughs) He might. I think we've got to awaken to the inklings of the Holy Spirit. I remember December of 08, I had an inkling. I think the Lord might want me to lead a community of believers, and I think it could be in Austin. And so I began to pray about it. My wife and I began to pray about it. We began to take steps towards it. We began to think, okay, is this really the Holy Spirit or is this crazy? And I remember some days I was thinking, I know this is the voice of God. I know it's coming. I know there's going to be something amazing that God's going to do. And then other days I would talk to people and I would be like, I think I'm crazy. I think it's as nuts. I think I am going crazy. This can't be right. I'm going to give up everything. I'm going to go to a place where there is nothing. I'm going to give up my career and I'm going to start all over at 44 years old. That seemed nuts to me. I have five kids, you know. But something began to happen to me as I began to obey what I thought was the Holy Spirit. And I didn't do it quickly. I didn't up and leave. I included other people. I'm going to talk to you a little bit uh, uh, about how to hear from the Holy Spirit. 
But we're not going to get to that till next week. I already know because the first service, I didn't make it to any of the coaching. So you're going to have to come back. But I want you to see how I did that. I just so so I I I'm I, but I want you to I want you to sensitize yourself. I want you to think deeply about the inklings you receive and where they come from. I like to call it a suspicion, a holy suspicion. Some people call it faith. See, the Holy Spirit's role for you, job in our lives, is to encourage you in faith in God. That's why he only shows you a couple of steps at a time. Do you ever wish that he would show you, like, everything? He would, like, give you the whole kit and caboodle. Just show me everything, and then I can get there. Just show me. And, but he only gives you, he's like a flashlight. It's like a big flashlight in the sky. And he flashes down, and there's two or three steps right ahead of you. Maybe one step. And as you start taking that step, then something happens to you. There's a confirmation. Yes, I think this is right. I think this is the Holy Spirit. I think this is God telling me where to go. And then there are all kinds of things that begin to happen around you. And you're like, this is definitely God. One of those things for us coming to Austin was the selling of our house. And I know some of you are selling your house and God may not speak to you like this, like he spoke to me. I'm very grateful for how he did this. But moving is a crazy thing. In, the, in Colorado Springs, the market bubble had popped and it was hard to sell a house and there was all this process people were going through, foreclosures were on the rise and I, I, I knew we were gonna have a challenge selling our house. It was a big house, it's a beautiful house, 4,700 square feet. It was a great place to live. And we were ready to ready to go, ready to give it up. Felt like the Holy Spirit was speaking to us. So we know we're going we're gonna to sell it. So the day we're praying, we're, we're asking God, would you show us, help us, would you lead us? The day we put the sign in the yard, a lady calls us and she says to us, I think the Holy Spirit is speaking to me about buying your house. It was the weirdest thing. We were like, <laughs> now, it could have been that she was crazy because people say crazy things. And so we started talking to her and asking her. She's, I don't know, this is crazy because we didn't know this lady. She didn't know us, and she was not from our church. We had never actually met her. Um, but she had walked through our house a couple years earlier when we were in process of being willing to let go of everything. And we'd put it on the market, and it didn't sell. We were trying to hear the Holy Spirit. Now, notice, notice what happened. Two years earlier, we were trying to hear the voice of God, and we felt like we needed to be open-handed. So we let our house be on the market for nine months. We were willing to sell it. We were willing to let go of it. You could say that that was a failure. Oh, I guess we didn't hear the Lord. I guess we didn't, this, I guess God didn't really say that because nobody's buying our house. And at one point, we just thought, okay, well, it's time. We've been through a nine-month cycle. Let's take it off for a while, and let's see what we should do. And let's just wait for the Lord to kind of direct us again. Who would have thought that two years later, a lady who would walk through our house when we were listening to the Holy Spirit would also listen to the voice of the Spirit and then be willing to purchase our house? We weren't ready. They weren't ready. But at the right moment, the Holy Spirit put it all together. Isn't that incredible? 
So then she told us, yeah, we've got another guy who's supposed to buy our house, and then we can buy your house, and then there's another house that has, and we're like, oh, brother, this is not going to happen. This is not the Holy Spirit. However, as we prayed about it, Amy and I, we just, we thought, I, I don't think, I don't think we have to worry about this. I think we just need to let the process work itself out. Let's take another step. And so we didn't worry about it. We didn't work too hard. We didn't have a lot of anxiety about it. We just kept walking through the process. And that was September 1 that that happened. And then by January 31, they were buying our house. And we were packing up the three pods in our driveway and getting ready to go. It was an incredible journey. Notice it didn't all happen at once. Notice it happened a little bit at a time, a step at a time. This is how God works. Turn over to 1 Corinthians that you've had your thumb in all this time and look at 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9. Verse 9 says, As it is written, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. This is the Apostle Paul, and he is articulating a scripture in the book of Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah has said this, and he's using it here in his defense of how the Holy Spirit works and what God is trying to communicate in the earth. And he says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. What God has prepared for you is beyond your wildest imaginations. It's an incredible thing. Verse 10, but God has revealed it to us by his spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now, I want you to get that right there because what that says is the Holy Spirit is God's voice. The Holy Spirit knows the thoughts of God and God's thoughts to you come to you by the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is wanting to whisper the thoughts and the plans and the purpose of God. Not what color shirt you wear, should wear or go to church. Go to church. You should go to church. You already know that. He's whispering to you about his purpose and his plan. Here he says, verse 12, We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. Holy Spirit is trying to communicate what God has freely given you. Now turn over a little further to John chapter 16. John 16, verse 7. John 16, verse 7. This is the passage we've been working with all through our time together on this series. Verse 7 says, Oh, and I wanted to tell you here. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the I'm gonna give you the words in the Message Bible because as I was working and doing research, I just found that the message was conveying something that we needed to look at it through a little different lens. Here it is, John 16 verse seven says. So let me say it again. This truth: It's better for you that I leave. If I don't leave, the friend won't come. I think it's so interesting that he calls him friend the personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. If I don't leave, he won't come. But if I go, I'll send him to you. Verse eight, when he comes, he'll expose the error of the godless world's view of sin, righteousness and judgment. Now, I want you to underline those three ideas in your Bible. Whether, no matter what you have, it says sin, righteousness, and judgment. It has some version of that. 
Because those are three ideas that the Holy Spirit is engaged in for all of us to communicate who God is and what he's doing, what he's planning. It says, he'll show them that their refusal to believe in me is their basic sin. That righteousness comes from above where I am with the Father, out of their sight and control. That judgment takes place as the ruler of this godless world is brought to trial and convicted. Come back to those three things. Verse 12 says, I still have many things to tell you, but you can't handle them now. I love that. Is that a great line? You can't handle the truth. He says, you can't handle them now. This is Jesus, and he's telling his disciples, it's the same with you and me. He doesn't give you all the plan. He just gives you a little bit because he's trying to build in you a life of faith. He's trying to build in you a life of obedience. Take the next step. Do the right thing that you already know to do. Did you track with me on that? Do the right thing that you know to do. And let the Holy Spirit begin to lead you and whisper to you. Here he says, I still have many things to tell you, but you can't handle them now. But when the friend comes, the spirit of truth, he will take you by the hand and guide you into all the truth there is. That's an awesome phrase. He won't draw attention to himself. He doesn't make a big deal out of himself. This is one thing that I believe about the Holy Spirit. He is like the wind. There is a a, a mystery about him. You don't see him, ha- see him working all the time, but he's working. He's working behind the scenes. He's communicating. He's whispering. He'll take you by the hand and give, guide you into all the truth there is. He won't draw attention to himself, but he'll make sense out of what is about to happen and indeed out of all that I have done and said. Let me give you three things to write down, and then we'll save the rest for next week. Three things to write down. Here's what this passage says. It says, he'll show us that our refusal to believe in Jesus is our basic sin. The basic sin of all the world is refusing to believe that Jesus Christ is the solution to our problem. And sometimes as believers, we enter into this refusal. Sometimes we choose not to turn to him when we fail or when we sin. We let the what the Bible calls the accuser of the brethren or Satan Just eat our lunch, and he accuses you, and he convinces you that your sin is too bad. You've failed too much. Over and over again, you have a pattern of sin in your life. You don't love God, and God doesn't love you. That's what the accuser of the brethren wants to say to you. Can I just tell you that it is not true? That the goal of the Holy Spirit is to whisper into your ear that no matter what failure or what sin or what mistake happens in your life, that if you will turn to Christ, if you will turn in repentance and surrender, that he's, he's willing and able to take care of it. The work of Jesus Christ on the cross is enough, is more than enough for your sins, both past, present, and future. That, my friends, is the message of the gospel. And when we refuse to enter into it, we resist what the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. This is what, this is what um, Jesus is saying here. This is the role of the Holy Spirit. He's working right now in Austin, and he's trying to help people embrace what Jesus did. That's what he's doing. He's convicting the world of their own sins. He's exposing the guilt of our own hearts, and all we have to do is turn to Christ. That's all he wants us to do. Secondly, he'll show us Here's the next thing. He'll show us that righteousness comes from above where Jesus is with the Father out of our sight and our control. 
It's an interesting little idea. Most of us like to be in control. Most of us like to be in charge, and we resist. We resist what the Holy Spirit wants to do because we like to be in control. This passage says that righteousness is not something that you, that you get by the good works that you do. The Holy Spirit is helping people to understand that righteousness is something that comes from above. Righteousness, living right, living in right standing with God is something that comes from above and not something that you do or make good. You do enough good things, you do enough good works, and then God likes you. It's, that's, that's not what it is. Hey, most of you have heard about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22, you know what it says? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, self-control. Was that it? Kindness? Did I, oh. I can never remember them all in order. But here's what I want to tell you about that. When you look at that list, that list is not something you're supposed to do. It's something that the Spirit reveals. Okay, are you with me? You can't, oh, I need to be more loving. Oh, I just need to be more loving. Oh, I need to have more joy. I don't have, I'm kind of sad. I need more joy, and you try to be more joyful. And nobody should ever pray for patience. <laughs> the Holy Spirit speaks to us and engages us. And when he does, when he whispers into us and we receive him, what happens is fruit begins to come out of our life. Love, joy, peace, and patience are results of the Spirit of God. Love, joy, peace, and patience are the results of the Spirit of God. And that's what we've got to get in our minds. The Spirit, we've got to listen. We've got to let him enter in. We've got to enter into what he wants for us. And then we begin to yield the fruit of righteousness. Righteousness is not something you can do. It's something that you surrender to in the Holy Spirit. That's good stuff right there. I'm just telling you. That'll change your life if you get that. Number three, last thing, and then we'll go. He'll show us that judgment takes place as the ruler of this godless world is brought to trial and convicted. Now you look at that and you're thinking, hmm, what does that mean? The Holy Spirit reminds us that Christ is risen and has conquered death in the grave. There's no doubt about it. But listen, the enemy of our souls, the evil one that Jesus names when he teaches the disciples to pray, the evil one is after you. He wants to kill and steal and destroy you. He wants to steal from you. He wants to overwhelm you. He wants to accuse you. But here's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit is whispering to you and he's saying, don't believe it, he doesn't really have any power. Now listen, he only has the power that you'll give him. He only has the power that others will give him. Okay? But compared to, now so I don't, want to, I don't want you to mistake, I don't want you to misunderstand, there are a lot of bad things in the earth. There are a lot of bad things happening and you are capable of some very, very bad things. So if the enemy gets a hold of you, if the evil one gets a hold of you and turns your heart dark, you can do horrible things. 
All we have to do is look around our city and look around what's, what's happening around us. We can see people engaged in that. So it's not as if he doesn't have any power, but he only has as much power as you give him. And he has really no power compared to, compared to the power of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross and the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you and makes sure that life is conquering death every day in your heart. So the, so the question is, can you embrace that? Will you surrender? Because here's what I believe. I believe when we come to Christ, what happens is the evil one is sentenced. The evil one is on trial and he is convicted of who he is. And when we come to Christ, he is sentenced. No more power, no more control, no more authority. And the Holy Spirit is the one that convinces us, that whispers to us, you've got enough power, all the power that you need. You have enough to be an overcomer. You have more than enough to provide for everything that you need for life and godliness. This is the Holy Spirit and he's speaking and he's talking and he's saying, the evil one has been sentenced. It's over for him. His authority does not have to continue in your life. You can reject it. You can repent of your sins. You can resist it. You can resist the devil and he will flee from you. How do you resist? Under the power of the Holy Spirit. You, don't, you come up on a situation and you realize, oh, this is not a good situation. And how do you realize that? How do you come to that conclusion? There's a whisper. You, you get an inkling. You get an inkling and you're like, oh, this isn't good. I shouldn't be in this location. This is not great. Or something bad is happening around you and you're, you're like, oh, I shouldn't say these things. I'm, I'm saying these things. I'm so angry. I shouldn't say this. You have a little inkling coming. You refuse to grieve the Holy Spirit by surrendering to that voice. And then as you do, something incredible happens. As you surrender to the Spirit's control, you realize that the enemy of your soul really doesn't have any power over you. And you stand up straight and you go, all right, I don't have to give in to that anger. Where we're going to go next week is we're going to talk about this obligation, as the Apostle Paul calls it, to the sinful nature. You have no more obligation to the sinful nature because the power of the Holy Spirit is in you. Hey, do you know what 1 John 4, 4 says? It says, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. What he's talking about is the Holy Spirit. Greater is the Holy Spirit in you who, if you listen to, has all the power you need to resist the devil and all his schemes. That's pretty good news, people. Let's pray. Close your eyes. Bow your heads. I want you to I want you just to respond. We're out of time and we've got to get out of the theater. I want you to I want you to just surrender and listen to the Holy Spirit as I pray over you. I want to identify two types of people. Listen closely. The first type of person is a, you're here and you're a believer, and, but you are in control. You are in charge of everything. You feel the anxiety of being in charge. You want to control your surroundings and your circumstances. You've resisted the voice of the Holy Spirit. You haven't allowed him to speak into you. And you're, you're sitting here as we've talked, you realize, oh, I, I, I just need, 
I need to yield. I need to surrender once again. Is there anybody here who feels that that is going on in your life? Because I want to pray for you. Anybody here who feels like, okay, I'm, I'm controlling everything and I haven't yielded control to the Holy Spirit. I know I should. I need to give it back to him. Anybody in the room? Yep, I see you. Anybody else? Yep. It's time, this is the moment for you to cultivate a listening ear, to, to allow your heart to be reset, to dial in what the Holy Spirit wants to say to you. And the last group of people I want to just highlight is I want to pray for you. If you have been away from the Lord, maybe you've resisted him over the last few years of your life and you've just kind of been living on your own and today you want to make a commitment to Christ. You want to make a firm decision to come back to him. You've, you've rejected all that he's had to say. Maybe you've never really understood it, but today it's clicking for you and you're realizing, I need to make a commitment to Christ, whether it's for the first time or the first time in a long time. And you're here today and you want to say, I want to give my life to Christ. Would you just lift up your hand right now? Anybody in the room? Yep, I see you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Awesome. Let's pray this prayer together. Everybody repeat these words after me. It's not the words that give you power. It's faith in your heart that you're praying to these words. So I want you to join me. Say it out loud and strong. Say, Heavenly Father, everybody together, Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the Spirit, the Holy Spirit that lives in me. Forgive me for going my own way, doing my own thing, trying to control everything I yield control today I surrender to you I ask you to come in continue to whisper into my life lead me guide me I choose to follow you all the days of my life I surrender thank you Jesus thank you for forgiving me now, Father, I pray for every person that prayed that prayer, and I pray that you would seal it by the work of your Spirit here today. Would you help them, lead them in the, in the journey as they, as they go out these doors today? Lead them on this journey. We thank you for this. Seal the work, encourage them along the way, and give them your grace. We thank you for this in Jesus' name.